Hey folks, welcome to the Buckle Up Podcast, from Millennial's Guide to the BLI. I'm your host, Enzo Kong, and the focus of today's episode is the Balkan country, Montenegro. Montenegro is indeed a very small country with a population of just above 600,000 and has only regained independence 15 years ago. But what makes this interesting is that its economy has been rapidly growing, making it a regional leader, and it has been an active member of the BLI. I'm pleased to have Ivan Piper as my guest today. Ivan is currently a PhD student and a teaching assistant at the University of Donja Gritsa in Montenegro in the Faculty of International Economics, Finance and Business. Ivan knows a great deal about Chinese culture and economics and can tell you all you need to know about Montenegro and the BLI. Please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so. And for now, enjoy the conversation. Hi, Ivan. Welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you doing? Thank you for the invitation. Great, great. How are you, Enzo? I'm fine too. It's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to have a chance to discuss with you too. Mm-hmm. And thank you once again for, for your invitation. Now, uh, Montenegro actually gives, uh, gives me a lot of fond memories because um, the first time I watched the World Cup, there was a team called Serbia and Montenegro back in 2006. But we know that um, that country doesn't exist anymore because of the um, Declaration of Independence following the referendum in 2006 in uh, Montenegro. So it's been 15 years since the independence. Can you tell us what has changed apart from having your own football team and has it changed for the better? Uh, Actually, a lot has changed in Montenegro. Uh, You see the history of Montenegro was very dynamic. Uh, the, maybe the, the important thing to emphasize now is that in 2006, Montenegro regained independence. Montenegro mm. was historically independent. So even in the times uh, during the Ottoman Empire conquest, Montenegro, there was a time when Montenegro was the only country in this part of Europe that was unconquered. So. What happened is that uh, in Berlin, the other great uh, countries accepted or, or should I say recognized Montenegro's independent, independence in 1878. So mm-hmm. after that, what happened? I will just give you a brief uh, explanation for the context. For the context. Uh, after that, what happened at the end of the First World War, Montenegro lost its uh, independence. How? uh there was a uh that was the time when the kingdom of serbs croats and slovenes was formed so they irregularly annexed montenegro to their kingdom that's the kingdom that became as you may know the kingdom of yugoslavia so that was the transition montenegro was annexed by kingdom of serbia and that was the kingdom of new formed kingdom of Serbs, uh, Croats, and Slovenes. That became kingdom of Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. And then, after the Second World War, the things started started to change. So, uh, I, that was the time when the dissolution of Yugoslavia become uh, begin began. So, apart from the whole Yugoslavia, only Serbia and Montenegro remained together. Mm. And that was the, I should say, uh, maybe 
at the ending of the last century, Montenegro started that project to, to regain its independence. And that happened in, in 2006. So from 2006 to today, Montenegro regained it, its independence. And what is more important, Montenegro became economic leader in this part of uh, Balkan Peninsula. So Montenegro is a pretty small country. To give you a context, we have only just about 600,000 uh, citizens. In right. So is it the smallest country in the Balkans? Yeah. Mm. Kosovo is smaller. Kosovo is smaller. So okay, you can yeah, take the average Chinese city and it has a lot more citizens than the whole country of Montenegro. But Montenegro managed to become the economic leader in Balkan or in Western Balkans. When I say Western Balkans, I mean Serbia, Albania, Kosovo, mm. Bosnia, Herzegovina, and North Macedonia. So Montenegro became lead economic leader. It has the highest GDP per capita. It has the highest growth rates from year to year. And it became the leader in Euro-Atlantic integrations. Mm -hmm. So it became a member of NATO. And we are on the road to become the member of U uh, European Union. But that was up to the last year when COVID started. All but right. that's, the, that's a topic that we will discuss uh, later. So the COVID changed a lot of things. Uh, we experienced the, the biggest recession in, in this part of Europe. And we have some problems with, with public debt. But we, we will talk about of it course. Uh, later. And in terms of politics, I know that there have been some major changes in the government yes. um, uh, last year. So um, the Democratic Party of Socialists of Montenegro has been ruling the country for nearly three decades. And I assume that would include the period when you were still part of um, Serbia. But then in 2020, it was displaced by the opposition coalition. And it's and the current PM is now Krivo Kapic. So can you tell us a little bit about his politics and what changed after the change of administration? Okay, so I will try to explain it without getting too much political. So mm -hmm. uh, maybe you probably saw that there are two main blocks in Montenegro. One is pro-Montenegrin and the second one is pro-Serbian bloc. So uh, previously in the past uh, 30 years, about 30 years, pro-Montenegrin bloc uh, was uh, forming the government. So they were ruling the country. And then at the end of the last year in August, for the first time in history, coalition of uh, pro-Serbian, or should I say pro-Serbian bloc, which consists of coalition of different parties, for the first time uh, won the election. So now uh, they are, they form the government, which is pretty, uh, how could I say, Colorful, because there are a lot of parties that have different ideologies in that, in that coalition. Mm -hmm. And uh, what they try to do, they introduce the experts in the, in the government. So ministers are not political personalities, but experts from different areas. How does that work? It is probably too early to say, but there are certain issues. There are certain problems that uh, must be solved and it is pretty uncertain what will happen in the next period. Mm -hmm. But EU accession is still on the agenda, I assume? Yes, it is the main goal of this government too. So that remained one of the main goals of Montenegro. Mm -hmm. And uh, EU actually changed the methodology for negotiation for Montenegro last year. What does that mean? 
that means that uh, rule of law or or any conditions regarding the rule of law must be uh, correctly applied, must be uh, concrete. So Montenegro opened all chapters. The progress so far was really good, but uh, according to the new method methodology, we cannot close other chapters until we meet the criteria for rule of law. So this, that's the, there are two chapters, 23rd and 24th, which regards the rule of law. And when we finish with that uh, chapters, we can then close other chapters. And uh, currently the expectation is that we will become member of EU by 2024 or 2025. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I, I'm sure we will go back to the issue of EU when we talk about other topics. Now, going into the BRI, so um, Montenegro has joined the 17 plus 1 framework since yes. signing the MOU in 2017. But yes. before we go into the nitty-gritty of the deals and the projects, why don't we talk about the historic and cultural roots of the BRI um, from Montenegro's perspective? Because I know that's actually um, the focus of your PhD thesis. Yes, I think that uh, I focus in my PhD thesis and previous thesis, master thesis and graduate thesis on Chinese culture and economics. So I think that China and Montenegro are actually more connected than people think. Mm -hmm. Why? Uh, you see the Montenegro is pretty small country, but its geostrategic position is very important because we are on the, we are Mediterranean country. So we have access to Mediterranean Sea through Adriatic Sea, and then through Mediterranean Sea to Silk Roads. Mm -hmm. So we are, if you think about Euro-Asia as a one uh, big continent, you will see that the core of that big continent is Silk Roads and Mediterranean Sea, because uh, the main link for trade are actually the link between the Mediterranean Sea and Silk Roads that leads to Asia and other under to China and other countries in Asia. And on the one end, you have China, you have other countries in Asia, and on the other hand, you have Europe, and the Montenegro is right at the core of that intersection. Mm. So uh, historically, we had some we had some guests from China last year, some professors, and we were taking them to to visit some important places in Montenegro and we, we were just discussing about this. We have some ports. Historically, we had a small near royal capital uh, city of Cetinje. We had a small uh, port on the river Crnevića, which is connected to the Skadar Lake and then to Adriatic Sea and then to Mediterranean Sea. And that was our route to, to Asia, to what is now Istanbul and to Silk Roads. And today we have a port in uh, City Bar, which is the main port in Montenegro. And through that port, we are cooperating with, with uh, other, we are networking, should I say, with other countries along the Silk Roads. So that's the, I think, cultural uh, and historical background of today's cooperation. The potential is massive. Mm -hmm. uh, the potential is massive for, for cooperation. And I think that we are going in that in that direction if you remember you probably know about marco polo marco polo right. of course discovered china 
from Italy. And Italy is our neighbor. So if you watch the place where he started to go to China, that's the, that's the same route that goes through our main port, through Mediterranean Sea uh -huh. and then to Silk Road. And there are some, there are some uh, information that Marco Polo was originally from Croatia. There is his house in Croatia and Croatia is our first neighbor. So that's the route that what he discovered and uh, the route that he used to go to China is the same route that connects us Montenegro with China. So through Mediterranean Sea and then uh, following the Silk Roads to, to China. Well, so do you think these cultural connections can actually translate into the Montenegrin people's enthusiasm to do business with China or participate yeah, in the BRI? Of course. For, uh, of course, and I think that the young generations will tend to, to improve that cooperations because uh, our young generation generations wants to to meet other cultures, wants mm -hmm. to exchange cultures cultures with others with other uh, countries, and I think that many opportunities lies in that in that uh, I should say tendition to to cooperate so now there is a certain cooperation between china and montenegro but there will be even more cooperation in the future but we will mm. talk more about it when we in, in the in the later part of, of course the, now speaking of the current cooperations i think the news that has been um, catching everyone's eyebrows would be the recent um, debt troubles for montenegro and some would attribute that to the construction of the Bujare motorway by um, China Road and Bridge Cooperation. So can, uh, before we go into the deals and the, and the terms of the loans, can, can you just tell us um, how important this motorway will be for Montenegro and its business? It is utmost importance to have this motorway. It is really important for Montenegro. Why? Because Montenegro is uh, at the Sea of Montenegro, you have sea seaside yes and at the north of montenegro you have mountains so the southern and central part are more developed than the northern part mm. but the potential for tourism is huge you have beautiful mountains in the north uh, i am actually from the north you have uh, beautiful national parks at the north but when tourists come to montenegro they usually go just to seaside mm. they like beautiful beaches they maybe don't know about the north and maybe the infrastructure infrastructure is not good for them to spend maybe one day or two at the north. In Montenegro, actually, you can do this in just a few hours. You can go to swim in the in the sea. And then uh, after about three or four hours, you can go to the mountain and play with the snow. So it's pretty small country, but you have everything on that little space. So why, why the motorway is important? It will connect the northern and the southern part of, of Montenegro. So it will make it easier for tourists to go to the southern uh, region. And then it will improve the development, economic development of the southern, of the northern Montenegro. Uh, that is good for tourism. That is good for overall economy of Montenegro. And that, and that is good for the network in this part of Europe to the connection for with other countries and to the, if we look at the bigger picture for the Silken Road, for the Belt and Road Initiative. 
So motorway is expensive, mm. but it is it is pretty important, and it is. Uh, I'm trying to find the the right word. It must happen. So we must have that motorway in order to prosper and to continue our economic development. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess that's that's also not a new idea because the former prime minister Dukanovic also championed the idea, and I think Montenegro is also connected to Serbia um, on the north, right? So yeah. that would certainly improve trade. Um, now, so what went wrong, right? So Montenegro took out a loan of um, 900, over 900 million US dollars from the Export-Import Bank of China in 2014 on a 2% interest rate. So, but then um, some of the other loans together with this Chinese loan sent Montenegro's debt soaring to over 100% of its economic output. So some people would, just associate this with the so-called debt trap diplomacy. Do you agree with that categorization? And do you think what what do you think went wrong here? Well, a few things went wrong. Uh, first, I will emphasize that uh, the motorway was the project of the previous government. Mm. So it is this is the last phase of its construction. It will be done in the next month or two. So the new government, what they did, they didn't uh, do much about the motorway. What they did in the last, in the previous period, they did the uh, hedging uh, or they protected the currency risks mm. of the loan. So our loan was denominated in dollars and they exchanged uh, and denominated the loan in euros now. So we right. are... I should say protected from the currency and exchange rate risks, but it is uncertain because the detail details of, of debt hedging are not available to the public. What is the main problem with the public debt? When we talk about public debt, uh, there are two phases uh, that are characteristic for Montenegro. The first phase is from 2002 to 2007 when was uh, when we decreased the public debt from around 80% of GDP to around 30% of GDP. So uh, remember, we regained in, in independence in, in 2006 and we had the public debt, which is just 30% of GDP. That was ideal for small country like, yeah. like Montenegro. But then in 2007, eight, nine happened global financial crisis. Right. And that led to the increase of the public debt. And that increase is still going on. And in the previous few years, the, the previous government introduced some uh, saving measures in order to decrease the public debt. And the original plan was to decrease it to around 60 to 70% of GDP in 2020. But then COVID happened mm. and Montenegro experienced the, the biggest recession in this part of Europe around fell to 15% uh, decrease of the, of the GDP. And when you have decrease, any, when the GDP decrease and uh, uh, debt increase because the new government issued uh, new euro bonds in, which amounts to uh, 750 million uh, euros, which is the biggest issue in Montenegro history. 
then it is expected for public debt to go up. And currently, or at the end of the previous year, or 2020, the public debt of Montenegro amounted to 105% of GDP. But that was expected because during the, due to recession, GDP went down, GDP growth went down, but uh, due to new issues of euro bonds, our debt went up. So in relation to GDP, public debt had to, had to increase. But the project projections are that in this, at the end of this year, public debt will decrease to 90% of GDP. And then government should reintroduce the, the saving measures, the financial consolidation, and then they will try to, to get it down to 70%. So I think at, at the moment, the situation is pretty hard regarding the public debt. And if there are no further loans, I think that it, it should be it should be manageable to, to lower it below uh, 190 or below 90% of GDP. But the situation right now is pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty hard, it's pretty tough. So it seems that the Chinese loan or the motorway deal only accounts for a small percentage of the total debts of Montenegro. Because you mentioned that it has been issuing euro bonds and also borrowing yeah. from other creditors. Yeah, but they they issued the last issue of euro bonds was uh, aimed at uh, paying the loans to to China banks. Ah, right. But again, uh, that is not. Uh, I think that is not the only issue. Euro bonds. Montenegro issued every bonds almost every previous year, and that was always uh, for fifty uh, million or something like that. But the issue at the last at the ending of last year was the biggest one it was around 75 uh, millions and that was the 750 millions and that was the 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 main problem which increased the the public debt mm -hmm. and well going back to the current situation of the motor motorway it seems that um the first phase of the construction is about to be completed so um how long should we expect until we see the motorway is finally completed and and can bring economic benefits uh, there are a lot of uncertainties regarding the motorway the first phase will be done by december ah. we expect it to be done by december so it will be operational probably by the end of the year but regarding the other uh, second phase of motorway there are a lot of issues to be solved uh, before that and you have first to raise new funds for the for the yeah. construction of new phases. They have, yes, exactly that. The first issue is public debt, mm. which is, I said before, due to COVID, it's out of control right now. And the second is they have to find a way to arrange sustainable financing of the second and other phases of motorway. So I think that we, we, we will have to wait for the second phase. And there is no deadline for the complete motorway there is absolutely not deadline for that uh, originally the deadline for the first phase was uh, it it had to be finished two years ago but it mm -hmm. is not yet finished so they will finish it by the end of this year and then after that i think everything is uncertain so it's better not to speculate from my part now 
maybe to leave that topic for the beginning of the next year. Maybe we will have more info about it, more concrete info about the next phase of motorway. Montenegrin path to European Union doesn't exclude Montenegrin cooperation with China, Chinese companies, Chinese banks, and so on. I think that uh, probably you can see the in new papers the articles about possible danger about, uh, from coming from China about control of some important parts of Europe. But I think that that's just uh, uh, speculation because if you go to the contracts, mm. you will not see you will rarely see collaterals that uh, that means that China will take, uh, uh, for example, port or, right. for example, I don't know, for a certain amount of time. That that's almost never happens. But people think that that happens. People think that mm -hmm. if you cannot repay your debt, then China will take it from you for, I don't know, 99 years. That will not happen. I read recently one article from The Economist uh, and they did the analysis of, I think, I'm not certain how much, but uh, pretty big, much, pretty big number of uh, contracts with China, infrastructure contracts, and just few of them had collateral. Maybe I don't know in Sri Lanka, but other uh, contracts doesn't have that kind of collateral and doesn't doesn't represent danger for for domestic countries. So I don't think that. Uh, cooperation between Montenegro and China in terms of uh, Chinese loans and uh, motorway uh, represents any kind of threat to, to EU. And I don't think that they see it, uh, that necessarily see it that way. Mm -hmm. Well, on a, on a more positive note, we have actually seen that China has donated around 7 million euros to Montenegro for the construction of a bridge on the Tara River. Yes. Can you tell us more about that? Uh, China, yes. Uh, China donated around seven millions for the reconstruction of the Tara Bridge. Uh, but in the meantime, what happened? The government changed, and now, the according to the last information that I have, uh, they are waiting for the design of the main project in order to begin the reconstruction. Mm. So what happens? They will now. Uh, design the main project and then according to the contract China will uh, select the contractor or the company from China who will conduct the works and then until uh, after that we will know the concrete amount how much will Montenegro how much it will cost to, to reconstruct the, the bridge but until then there are no other, other information so we are waiting for the main project to be done Mm. Then we are waiting for China to select the company which will conduct the works and then we will have more details about the reconstruction. But I think that it, uh, uh, I think that uh, we will soon have more information about the, about the deadlines, uh, concrete deadlines of, of the reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Now you have mentioned that Montenegro is pretty famous for tourism, but yes. um, I'm, I'm, I think it's safe to say that it has not yet been a very popular spot for Chinese tourists. I think most tourists would still prefer to go to Western Europe or other um, bigger European countries. So do you think, do you see a potential here for more cooperation in terms of um, bringing Chinese tourists here? Definitely, I see. 
I looked at the data uh, in the previous month, I think. I did some research on that topic and I found interesting, interesting information. You see Montenegro uh, and China uh, signed the agreement of uh, understanding uh, in 2017. Mm -hmm. And since then, since then, we recorded the increase in China tourists for 100% every year. Oh. So what does that mean? In 2000, in 2017, there was only just about uh, 20,000 tourists from China. Next year, in 2018, there was 40,000 tourists from China. And next year, in 2019, there was almost 80,000 tourists from China. So they are doubling every year. But however, uh, according to the data, Chinese tourists spend in average one or two nights in Montenegro. Uh, what does that mean? That means that they are not coming exclusively to see Montenegro, but to see every country in this part of Europe. So right. maybe they go for two days in Montenegro, then two days in Serbia, then two days in Croatia, and so on. And there is a massive potential to to increase the number of tourists from China. I think what should be done, Montenegro should uh, organize more. Uh, how does that? Uh, tourist fair or exhibitions in China mm. or to represent our culture to Chinese uh, citizens and then they will come in more numbers to, to Montenegro. And what, what government did? The government, I think in 2018, I'm not sure, uh, they did uh, the visa facilitation or to maybe find another word, they made it easier for citizens of China to come to Montenegro. Mm. So that is a huge step forward. And I think that uh, in the next years, in the next years when COVID is, is when we are done with COVID, if I could say done, or when, <laughs> right. when the restrictions are lowered, I think that there will be even more tourists from China and tourists from Montenegro uh, to China. Well, but that's already quite a lot, the numbers you quoted, like um, 80,000 tourists, Chinese tourists per year. And yeah. when, you look, when you compare that with the population of Montenegro, 600,000, yes. that's, already, that's yeah. already quite a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, going to the, into the environmental protection issues. So I also read that there was an establishment of the China CEEC Environmental Protection Cooperation Mechanism in the capital of Montenegro, Pagorica, back in 2018. Is there something um, Montenegro has been focusing on? Uh, what I know is that uh, China and uh, 70 or, or then 16 Central right. and Eastern European countries have uh, signed a document on environmental cooperation and established a cooperation mechanism in Podgorica in 2018, if I am correct. Uh, that conference was, if I remember correctly, uh, called the legacy of the future. Mm. So what was the main goals of, of that uh, conference, which, which was initiated by Montenegro? I think the, the main the main goals was to promote synergy of 70 plus one platform and to maybe to to secure the coordination of policies to to secure the sustain, sustainable development uh, promotion of cooperation between the 
Central Eastern in Eastern European countries with, with uh, China. And I think that the main goal is the construction of the green Belt and Road. So yes. what does that mean? This mechanism that we signed uh, will help to, to deal with the challenges of air pollution prevention and management, uh, solid waste uh, management, climate change, and biodiversity protection. So when you have that type of agreement, it should be massive. Uh, uh, it should uh, lead to more synergy, which will direct a more inclusive cooperation between these countries. Mm -hmm. So it, it is pretty, pretty important document. And, and I think that it will give results in the in the next in the next endeavors of or infrastructure projects of these countries. Yeah, I think some um, corporations have already been undergoing, for example, there was a construction of a thermal power plant um, by a Chinese company um, um, costing over 50 million euros, but um, maybe we'll go into that next time. So towards the end of the of our talk, we must talk about the young people which we have slightly touched on just now. So um, can you tell us what are the most pressing issues facing the Montenegrin youth right now? And do you think the BRI could be a way out for some of them? Of course, of course. I think the pressing issue for Montenegrin uh, youth is uh, youth unemployment. Mm. Youth unemployment rate in the previous year was about 30%, which is- uh, Quite a lot. Yeah. Yes, quite a lot. And that what that is one of the problems. The other problem is brain drain. So mm -hmm. young people from Montenegro tend to go to other countries to work. And in most cases, they not come back. So that is one one of the one of the main issues in Montenegro. But I think that opportunities provided by the Belt and Road initiatives are pretty much important and there are a lot of of chances for for montenegrin youth to 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 find some opportunities and, and to to succeed be it in education or in work and so on i don't know if i mentioned but i am currently i'm phd student and teaching assistant at the university of donia goritz right. or udg and i think that udg uh, was the first in Montenegro to recognize those new opportunities by the Belt and Road mm. and first to set up new trends in Montenegro. So mm. what are those new trends? Uh, uh, UDG opened Chinese studies mm. where, where our students have a chance to learn about Chinese culture, to learn Chinese language, to, to learn about China and then to go and spend some time mm. in China. Uh, then uh, UDG is a member of ANSO, Alliance of International Science Organizations, and UDG has uh, a lot of, uh, of cooperations with uh, Chinese uh, universities and faculties. So a lot of our students are going to China. Previously, we had majority of students going to Europe mm. or going to USA. Now to USA, mostly students are going to work for two or three months uh, through the work and travel program. But the highest number of students, be it, be it economists, law students, uh, for culture, culture and tourism, they're all going now to China. 
And I think that that is the, the big opportunity for Montenegrin youth and that they are seeing it, they are feeling it and they are tending to, to use that opportunity. And are most of them coming back home after spending yes. time in China? Yes, yes. So we had, we had student and academic exchangers. So our staff from university also goes to, to China. Students uh, goes to for about two or three months, half year. We have students that go for one year and then they come back. They bring their experience to right. us. And then we try to, to find some new opportunities uh, for students. We had several students and our staff that were working in Chinese companies for, for uh, some period of time. And then they come back and the Chinese students also come to our university and then they try to find maybe space for mutual cooperation for, for future projects. So there are a lot of opportunities. And I think in, in the next few years, uh, the number of students going to China will be even bigger. Right now it is pretty big because we, to give you just to give you an example, I started learning about Chinese culture in 2014 when I did my graduate thesis. So then I learned about Chinese culture and philosophy. That was my first thesis. Then at master studies, I continued with uh, analyzing Chinese religion, Chinese culture, Chinese traditions, Chinese economy, and uh, trying to make sense out of it and how it influenced today's China's rise to, to maybe which will become the leading economy on the world. And now uh, on my PhD studies, I'm also trying to see how the Chinese culture influenced its economy. So in the next year, if COVID gets, maybe if, if the restrictions are lowered, I will have to spend some time in China too. So I think that the number of students will, will get bigger from year to year in the next few years. Mm -hmm. will, number of students that will, that will go to study or to work for some time in China. Do you have, um, so you mentioned that the general um, population of Montenegro are quite um, welcoming towards Chinese investments and doing business with China. Do you think more can be done to improve their perception of China? And how would you evaluate China's um, soft power moves? For example, we know that China has um, sent um, batches of um, vaccines, COVID vaccines to Montenegro before. So how are people um, um, interpreting these moves? I think that people, generally speaking, are happy to, to cooperate more with China. Uh, I personally received the Chinese vaccine oh, yeah. and it, it was the dominant vaccine in, in Montenegro. And I think uh, where lies the huge opportunity is in cultural exchange. So that means even more students from Montenegro going to China, learning about China, and then coming back and maybe, you know, mouth to mouth, maybe sharing their experience with others. Exactly. And that, same, that, that, that is the same for China, maybe for Chinese tourists to, or students to come to Montenegro and then to come back and maybe to represent opportunities that, that Montenegro uh, have. And I think the cultural exchange is the most important part here. When people learn more about China and they are starting to learn more about Chinese culture, I think that they will be, they will happily, uh, they will happily find any opportunities to talk 
to cooperate with China, be it in tourism, be it in education, be it in business. So uh, you see Montenegro is a small country. We don't want to take sides. We want to make friendships with as many much countries as we can, just like uh, maybe in China. What is the maybe the main idea of Belt and Road? Not to make alliances, but to make friendships. Right. So I think in Montenegro, we are not as a, probably you can often see in the news that uh, Montenegro tends to become EU, EU member. Our relationship with uh, we are members of NATO, so we have a good relationship with USA. But that is not our good relationship with EU and the NATO members do not exclude good relationship with mm-hmm. relationships with others. So we are more than happy to, to improve our cooperation with China. And we are doing that in the past three or four years since the, the mutual agreement of understanding, since the 70 plus one platform. And I think that in the next few years, the perception of China Montenegro will be even, mm-hmm. even better. Even even better, and that will represent a huge opportunity for all of us. We are seeing that now in, in education, we are seeing the results in tourism, we are seeing the results in infrastructure, motorway, you have the uh, Tara uh, bridge reconstruction, you have the power plant in Pljevia, you have the, I think the China will assist in the reconstruction of our, our uh, uh, trains, so, in every area, cooperation with China will grow. I certainly. I really hope to um, see you in China one day. I hope to see you in China too, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for coming here today, and take care. Thank you for inviting me, Enzo. Take care. Thank you.